mean, I, I think that this, that's an important point because back in, back in the past, the remote past, there was a thing called the, the Bardic tradition of magic. Um, this was entirely based, it was like most magic, it was um, entirely literary or linguistic. L magic is largely a matter of language, but in the Bardic tradition, um, it was okay if just some local wizard put a curse on you because that would just make your hen's life funny or mm -hmm. something like that. Um, you know, you'd have a, a calf with a club foot or, you know, not a big deal. If a bard laid a satire on you, then that was the most terrifying thing conceivable because even after you were dead, if it was a good enough satire, <laughs> people would still be laughing at you. <laughs> um, that was it was a fate more terrible than death it could destroy your reputation the reputation of your family what I'm getting at here is that people used to be terrified of artists and I personally think it would be good if uh, we, we brought back those times well no not just because that would mean that I was worshipped as a god <laughs> although but, but mainly because artists would they'd have a better self image they wouldn't just feel that they were lucky to be in work they wouldn't grovel before the people who are paying them money and refuse to ever make any kind of stand because, oh, well, I've got a family to support, I don't want to lose my job. Yeah. If artists actually remembered the power that they used to have, then I think that if they treated their art as if it were magic, you don't have to believe that magic actually exists. If they treated it as if it were magic, if they gave their creativity the respect that they would give a god, or then... Or even a plumber. Sorry? Or even a plumber. Or even a plumber, yeah. Then I think that they would... That would make... It would solve a lot of the problems in modern um, art if they were to regard it as magic. I also think it would solve a lot of the problems in modern magic if they were to regard it as art. Um, it's a win-win situation. Welcome to Vox Arcana. I'm William. I'm Jake. I'm David. And this is a podcast about tabletop RPGs, game design, and advice for all game masters. This is episode 24, The Bard Class. Let's talk about the bard. <laughs> Let's. I love the Bard. Bard's great. What are you guys' initial thoughts? Uh, okay. Uh, I love it. Fun. Yes. Musical. Good. Uh, so we're all on the same lots page. Lots of variety, have to fight. flexibility. Dang it, guys. We all agree. Well, that's the episode, everyone. All right. See you later. All right. See you next week. <laughs> the, the Bard, to me, is uh, sort of a... It seems like a joke class, but in 5e, they are uh, magical. And I don't mean that in game mechanics. Like These mm. guys have hit the, the nerve, hit the pulse of... All the things I love to do in D anD D, and that is yes. sing and dance and make magic spells happen. <laughs> I think Fifth Edition nailed it. 
Um, and we can kind of criticize fifth edition for various things, but I think this is one of those class designs that they nailed in regards to game design. Like they get this right because we look at the bard in the earlier editions, um, or just kind of in pop culture in general. And it's kind of a class that is a joke and not in a cool meta way. Like it is like a bad, just kind of pathetic Jack of all trades, master of none, um, and the fifth edition of Dungeons and Dragons fixed that and they made it amazing. Like it's a full spellcaster. It can do decent damage. It is like the perfect support class for an entire party. It's the face um, of the group. So yeah, they nail it. So, uh, I would just like to say that the bard went from just like a, the, the lame, like dad joke, dad to like <laughs> yeah. the cool, like dad who just like could do anything. Oh, like me. <laughs> Oh. <laughs> oh, I have an announcement, everyone. My wife and I are having guests over for dinner, and you're invited. <sighs> That's enough talking about how good the, uh, the bard is in general terms. I want to drill down, Jake. I want to talk about what specifically makes the bard so good. What is a bard in okay. general? So I think the bard is one of my favorite classes because, like I've said on our class series before... Um, it kind of assumes a place in the world. Um, so when you're making a bard, you you can't be some nobody from nowhere. You have to be part of the world, ingrained into the world. So so you can either be someone who's lived in a tavern his whole life, um, and maybe his 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 mom was the barkeep, and he that's where he learned his bardic skill. Or maybe he went to a bard college um, in the capital. Regardless. It's very hard to play a disconnected bard. The bard has to be connected to the world. Um, they have this kind of inherent social nature to them. Um, this almost inherent extroversion to them. Because um, they are, in their purest form, like they are an entertainer. Um, I, I think one of the biggest pet peeves for me is um, people think, oh, bard, it's someone with a guitar. And they go, anyway, here's Wonderwall. <laughs> And it's like, okay, no, 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 like, they are, or like, a lute or a flute. It's like, guys, come on, be more creative. Like, um, I think of, if, if you're a bard, you don't necessarily have to be a musician. You can be a comedian. You can be, like, a, a motivational speaker. You can be a writer or a dancer or a playwright or a rapper or a magician or an acrobat or a juggler. Like, you don't have to be a musician. Hmm. And, and I really like viewing well, have, the bard as an entertainer say, as like a, in a broad sense. Just for me, I, I love the idea of just like having a bard just be like a stand-up comedian who's just like walking around. He has a mic <laughs> yes. that's just not even plugged in. He's just like telling jokes. It's a jokes. magic mic. Yeah. And it's just, it's, <laughs> I think it brings a lot of humor and fun to the game that wouldn't yeah. otherwise be there. I think that compared to the fighter or um, paladin or, or rogue, right, like any of these classes who have this strong archetype, this strong image in the, the minds of players of what you can do with it, a bard is less obviously badass and powerful. Because you're thinking, oh, I'm a comedian. Like, why Why am I out killing monsters in a cave? Why am I defeating the archlich, right? Um, but I think yeah. that if you hook in the background that your character has, 
I, I think a bard coming like if you're you're an ex soldier, that's a very different kind of comedian than someone who's a yes um a yes. hermit, right? Like it, it really combines and um and, and I think you have to work a little bit more to imagine how this works, but I think overall it's gonna lead to more interesting characters. Okay. So in my in my game there is the Order of the Gauntlet, and they kind of have all of the holy um righteous um monks and paladins and clerics but they also employ bards who work as combat bards like like they are um they are within groups of soldiers and they have to keep morale up Mm. they have to inspire troops around them and it is a literal rank in the military um and i really like that i've had several characters who are bards that were combat bards they were essentially inspirational combat medics um, and I really, really like that flavor of someone who's like, they have seen horrific, disgusting, you know, aftermaths of battles and horrific wars, but their job is to keep everyone's morale up and keep the troops on their feet. I, I like that kind of combat gritty bard almost because, because all bards kind of have this, this fanciful silliness to them, but I don't think that's necessary. I think it can be though. Or it's not necessarily necessary, <laughs> but I think that the playful, fun, trickstery side of a bard is amusing and fun, and brings a different type of gameplay to the table. Where mm-hmm. the bard is focused on having fun and entertaining people and interacting with people, whereas you may have a soldier who is just kind of like a gruff, like on his own, lone wolf type who's not necessarily mm-hmm. focused on talking to people or having those social interactions where it's a bard is that's what they're all about. They're all about talking yes. to people. They're all about, you know, getting to know people like spreading their influence, whether it's through music or through charming people or yes. whatever to achieve their goals. I've heard it called weaponized charisma, but I don't think that's exactly oh. right for the bard. Cause um, it's not just like you're so good with people. You can use it against them. Like you really do have, um, the ability to manipulate, but also the magic and the, I, I would call it more like social magic or social power. It's its weaponized extroversion. <laughs> Isn't that what you have, Jake? <laughs> oh, no. I've harnessed it the best I can. <laughs> yeah, I um I really like that um, kind of bards being the face of a group. Um, it, it's really interesting to see the group dynamics of you know a gruff dirty bloody battered adventuring party coming into town and you know dancing before them as a bard who might also be battered and bloody and gritty but he's like hello there we are the the mighty seven and we're here to uh liberate this town from injustice um and and it's just like it's it's fun. And like, there are players. Oh my gosh. You'll know them. You can just pick them out of a crowd. There are players that are meant to play the bard. Mm, exactly. Uh, like, yeah. like they fit like a glove in that role as the face. Um, and the face can be played by anyone, you know, it can be played by a warlock or it can be paid, played by essentially any kind of charisma castery class, but the bard just, this is what they're born to do. So, and, I, and I love seeing people I, I succeed wanna in it. I want to back up a little bit and just define the term face for the listeners who might not know what we're talking about. Oh, yes. Um, so a D&D party is composed of many different people, and most of them probably are not very good at social settings. Um, if you're picturing a barbarian who was raised in the woods of Nebraska, he doesn't know how to talk to people. 
of Nebraska. <laughs> specifically, <laughs> specifically Nebraska. <laughs> I mean, it's just cornfields. Yeah. Oh my anyway, that's horrifying. Uh, I'm from so Nebraska. If, if you're trying, <laughs> oh, the, the one listener from Nebraska is gonna write us in from his corn phone and uh... listen up. <laughs> this is not how we talk. Oh, oh my god. Okay. Where's the, I don't know where this all came from. Uh, sorry, Greg. <laughs> Nebraska, Greg. Um, Jim Bob. Okay, well, we got to put the brakes on this joke. Um, as I was saying, what was I saying? Oh, the face of the party. Okay, the face is just a, the person with the best charisma who's going to do most of the talking. So um, the, the party decides what's going to be said and who let the guy with the best chance of succeeding do the talking. Yeah. Um, so I've heard um, in regards to the bard in general, I've heard a lot of people, um, especially more power gamers and people from older editions of Dungeons and Dragons, will just talk trash about the bard mm-hmm. and just say the bard is ridiculous and <clears throat> and a lot of people imagine this guy in kind of a frilly overcoat with a big trifold hat with a huge feather sticking out of it who's dancing around uh, with his loot um, and it just seems a little silly like why would that guy be in a deep dark dungeon um but i would i would respond to to those critics of the bard with this um like music has a place in combat um if you even look at history there are examples of bards throughout in combat so like you think in the old kind of greek um or just you know classical era fighting of war horns war drums um that sort of thing um i think of new zealand uh and they have their their dance the haka oh yeah have you guys ever seen that oh it's it's so intimidating it's intimidating yeah and it's like imagine going into battle and seeing that like a part of you is like oh no oh no should we go home i had (laughs) about a hundred high school kids uh doing the haka at a summer camp one time and these are just high school kids wearing bright colors um it actually wasn't even a hundred it was one of the teams sub subdivision right Uh and even that you understand how if you had um, a large crowd of grown men dressed and painted to be terrifying and wielding weapons, mm-hmm. you would probably just run away. I yes, certainly would. Yes, yes. And so it serves this kind of inspirational um, community, you know, like purpose to, to be able to to make enemies afraid just by like singing and moving around. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. So another example um, of kind of a bardic inspiration from history uh, is the like a fife and drum corps from like colonial era i think revolutionary war era uh conflicts like there is there is you know a drummer boy and there was someone playing a fife um and nowadays that seems almost absurd yeah but like that is pretty recent history um and that helped with people marching in step um and inspiring them and um coordinating attacks and stuff like that um and even more recent history I think the radio broadcasts of the resistance in World War II, um, the French resistance fighters would uh, coordinate with radio channels um, and they would have uh, different codes sent out over the radio. They would have people like inspiring the resistance over the radio saying like, fight back, the Nazis will not take us. Like, and also just playing inspirational music right after that and i think that almost has a bardic flair to it as well like this Mm -hmm. kind of inspirational uplifting musical thing for in combat i think it's easy to overlook the power of words especially in a combat situation and as Mm -hmm. you say on the radio like we had um gis we in america um 
who are feeling downcast and sad. And, and I'm sure those radio broadcasts really helped win the war in um, yes. in a really real way. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Like agree. celebrities like Marilyn Monroe and other singers and dancers and comedians, like them going um, to the front and, and performing for the troops. Like it's, it's kind of kitschy and kind of, Oh, that's kind of sweet. But it's like, that helped a lot. Mm-hmm. Like we underestimate um, what morale means for, for troops. So I think the example of the bard should not be made fun of because there are plenty of modern things to point to. Yeah. People need morale in combat. I think that the bard is uh, what I would call the, the Marvel class, just because it reminds me a lot of any Marvel character in the Marvel universe. How they're always like quipping and they're always like trying to inspire each other to yeah. fight back. Okay. I think that uh, probably the greatest bard in the Marvel universe Probably Peter Quill. <laughs> Star Lord. I mean, he he has his Walkman. He has his music. Hmm. He also uh, mm-hmm. he dances to defeat uh, what's his face to distract him in uh, yes, the first Guardians Ronin. of the Galaxy. Uh, he's he's always talking smack. He's definitely mm-hmm. a bard. Fight <laughs> yeah. me if you no, think that... otherwise. <laughs> no, I think that makes sense. Um, I think there is there is room for this despite the naysayers because. Because a lot of people kind of coming from wargaming, um, almost kind of Gary Gygax era people, just it doesn't really, it seems a little silly, but when you really look at it, I think it makes sense. Hmm. Yeah, definitely. So as we love to do, Xanathar's Guide to Everything has terrific tables for helping you create your class, whatever that might be. So hmm. we're looking there today. There's actually four tables um, that help you define your bard. So Jake, get out your dice. Okay. We're going to roll up right. some stuff. The first is your defining work. They say that... Uh, I don't know. What, what do I roll? Uh, it's a D6, looks like. Roll us a hot one, dude. Okay. All right, hot one coming right up. It is a one. All right, so your defining work that has made you famous, put you on the map, is The Three Flambinis, a ribald song concerning mistaken identities and unfettered desire. Sounds kind of trashy, so I definitely Ooh. see that Jake would have written it. Yo! Oh man, I love <laughs> I love this sort of thing because a bard takes a player that that requires a level of charisma and wit, mm-hmm. um, and it doesn't it doesn't require that. But if it you works have very that, well it just takes that. it over the edge. Yeah, um, I'm thinking of Sam Regal um, from Critical Role. Ooh, like yeah. he is just so witty and funny and hilarious. He can even look back and say. Oh, is this from my uh, my old ditty that I wrote? And he'll just name it something silly, like this old ditty called the uh, the wet dragon's uh, buttocks, you know. And just like, <laughs> and it's just it's just a little thing that adds to that. And I love the, the defining work. <laughs> <laughs> the three flambinis. All right, uh, next we need another D six roll. This is for your instrument. Uh, three. A zither made with drow spider silk. What is a zither? Googling now. It, it's right. kind of like a um, harp or, or a guitar that you play on your lap with a lot of oh, strings. Oh, okay. Mm. Okay. So I want to say something about this. Um, like I said earlier, I don't like bards being shoved into just automatically being a musician with a lute or a flute. I, I I want them to be, you know, crazier things like, a you know, a playwright or a juggler stuff like that but if you are a musician i would suggest picking a weird instrument 
because it makes things much more fun. Um, one of the bards in my campaigns, um, uh, he picked an instrument, an accordion. Oh. Um, and him playing an accordion, which also he could go, and the, the accordion would turn into a shield. <laughs> oh my gosh. Uh, which was really cool. So he had a shield, but he could like deactivate it and go it back into an accordion. Um, <laughs> and so, like, I, I suggest to anyone who is uh, potentially playing a bard uh, or thinking about playing a bard, if you do want to go the musician route, pick a crazy instrument, Ooh. like a drum. Or a cowbell. Or a harp. A cowbell. Or a triangle. Uh, or, like, a saxophone. Or, oh, like, saxophone. an accordion. Or, like, an upright bass. On this Xanathar's or... list, one of the items is a wooden bullywug croak box. <laughs> That doesn't exist in the real world, as far as I know. But, yeah, and I love the concept. I mean, you don't have a wooden bullywood croak box <laughs> just lying around. But like, like think of a bard that plays just the harmonica or mm. just the bagpipes, like, um, or or even like a just the cymbal, like a huge cymbal <laughs> that also doubles as a shield. What about a mouth like, harp? Oh, <laughs> it just makes springing yeah. sounds. <laughs> A kazoo, yeah, no, like, yes. <laughs> kazoo. I just want yes, to be the like, kazoo kid and just like. Oh my god! Uh, <laughs> forgot about yeah, the so kazoo I think, kid. Um, Character concept be, for you guys. That when one's on when me. you're making a bard, and if you are cornered into the musician role, pick something fun. Um, pick something interesting because I think you. I think it's in the player's handbook where there's a list of like medieval instruments, and they're kind of lackluster. Mm -hmm. um, so talk with your DM and make something fun. If you can have gunpowder, then you could have something crazy like a keytar. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but like uh, you know yes. the steampunky version Steampunk of keytar. Keytar. And also think of your think of your um, your instrument as a magic item. Mm -hmm. A lot of people when they start their campaign give their characters one mundane magic item. Like make your like guitar something cool. Like have it um, shoot flame out of the end. <laughs> so oh, one of my one of my characters. Yeah, yeah. Uh, one of my characters, uh, I, he was given a magic item, uh, and he was a bard, um, and it was a guitar, um, and it took him like halfway in the campaign to figure out the guitar randomly had a trigger on it, um, and he finally like kind of pressed the trigger down, and the guitar, uh, the neck of the guitar just went and opened up into a crossbow. Oh, awesome! Um, and so the guitar is called the Fool's Folly. <laughs> Um, and so he, he would play the guitar and then he could just pull, like, kind of lightly touch the trigger and a crossbow would appear and suddenly he has a crossbow <laughs> that's a guitar as well. Um, <laughs> that's pretty good. So, yeah, think of your instrument as a magic item. Make it fantastic and interesting and cool just to just douse flavor on the bard. Because the bard, the bard can work with a lot of flavor. We have more random tables, Jake. Are you ready? Oh, let's hear them. Okay, uh, next is your embarrassment. This is uh, a bad experience oh, you've had yes, in front of an audience. Yes. Six. Yes. Okay. That is a four. The first and last public performance of Mert Man About Town. What does that mean? Oh, I don't know, but you can make so much stuff <laughs> yeah. from that. Why was that? Like, it says it says the first and last. Yes. Yeah. So so you can. <laughs> so it was the first time you performed it. <laughs> <So last. laughs> like it's just it's something you tried and it just didn't work. Like maybe it was um, a diss on someone like. <laughs> Mert, who was like in the town, but he showed up to the performance and like everyone got oh, mad. I mean, I have you guys, I mean, from Game of Thrones, um, there is the one character, he's kind of a meme uh, on Reddit forums now, uh, but he's the character that sung in front of the uh, 
of the king uh, and sang a song that was a little offensive and a little satirical. Um, and I think it was Joffrey um, had his tongue cut out. Oh, my gosh. Oh, yeah. Um, and it's it's really cool to see that, like, because he's just playing a satirical song about the kingdom. And then the king is like, all right. I think he said, choose between your hand and your tongue. Mm. Um, and I, I love that because it's like bardic songs need to have repercussions. And like some of them might fail. And I love this embarrassment table because it, it provides. If you could, could you just read all of them on the embarrassment table? Oh, yes, absolutely. Uh Okay, embarrassment one is the time when your comedic song, Big Tom's Hijinks, which, by the way, you thought was brilliant, did not go over well with Big Tom. Oh, <laughs> Big Tom. I'm just imagining this Goliath barbarian. It's just, <laughs> did not like it. Uh, the, the second is the matinee performance when a circus's owlbear got loose and terrorized the crowd. Uh, number three was when your opening song was your enthusiastic but universally hated rendition of Song of the Frog Hemoth. <laughs> number four is the one that we read. Number five is the time on stage when your wig caught fire and you threw it down, which set fire to the stage. Oh, no. <laughs> I would add that it burned the entire opera house down. <laughs> and finally, when you sat on your lute by mistake during the final stanza of Starlight Serenade. <laughs> oh, man. All of those have so much fun to them. And it just kind of gives you a... Um kind of a, a path or just like um, a way to, to make embarrassments of your own. Yeah. But like, I love how a bard kind of has this baggage um, with them, kind of how any stand-up comedian nowadays does. Oh, um, Maybe they made a, a distasteful joke 10 years ago and suddenly they're seeing the weird ramifications from it now. Um, I like, you know, someone coming up and being like, I hey, wait a second. Aren't you that bard that made fun of Big Bertha? <laughs> Oh, you know, and like God. just seeing the ramifications of that. <laughs> I think it would be really effective in a bigger city where your notoriety would spread fast and far. Yes. Um, yeah. It'd be less effective out in the settlements in the wilderness. Um, but definitely, I think if you're going to be some metropolitan kind of character like a bard, then you're going to be in the big city anyway. Oh, yeah. So I, I think this is an example of bards um, shining during downtime. Um, I have this a lot with my players. Uh, a prime example was the fighter. Um, and they uh, had to wait in a place. Um, and I said, okay, guys, you have to wait here for 48 hours. What are you doing? Oh. Um, so the players would be like, I'll study my books or I will talk to the barkeep or I will do this. Um, and the fighter is just like, uh, I want to train to be a better fighter. <laughs> you know, and they're just like training and... It's just kind of like, okay, you know, like, um, or even if there's like a long ship voyage, so it's like, you're on the ship for a week, what do you do? You know, and the fighter's just like, I want to train to be a better fighter. <laughs> but like, but like the bard, oh my gosh, they shine during downtime, right? Because like, it's like, okay, Mr. Bard, uh, this, you know, you have a week, what do you do? They can spread rumors about the king. They can uh, try to uh, acquire an audience uh, as a musician. Uh, they can, you know, do all sorts of stuff. Um, and they're one of the, the few classes that has kind of a, a built-in thing that they can do during downtime where they can just shine. Uh, the last table, well, it's not really a table. It's just like uh, the idea is every bard has a muse. Xanathar provides three different muses. Um, this is your source of inspiration in general, and it can be whatever you want, but these are the three they provide, and those are nature, love, and conflict. Huh. That's interesting. Hmm. 
um huh because i've actually um thought of a character that's going to be an npc in Waterdeep. um i've used him before just very minorly his name is memphis jones uh and he is a guitar player that is a warlock that sold his soul to the devil oh um in order to be great at guitar um it's a story we've heard many times in in uh you know folk tales and one down the Jordan. Um, yeah, and so so this character, his muse would essentially be at that point um, some demon from the underdark. Yuck. Um, and so it's yeah, I like the muse aspect of it because it's it's kind of you can twist it into like a warlock patron almost, um, or it can kind of be more like a paladin's oath, um, like an oath to nature. And most of your songs are um, just about nature and it's it's inhumanity or or about love or conflict um i like this if i was going to use this and play a board myself in a game i would constantly be running into creative block and conversing with the patron or the muse yeah and, and he would be trading more things so i had to give him more of myself or more of the <gasps> things i own that's so to get so additional good. inspiration but every Ooh. every time you get a new song or performance or whatever um it you know changes your life much for the better apparently but you've given away so much of yourself <gasps> by the end of it that yes. you're a different person i love i love 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 the idea of the muse acting as kind of a warlock <sighs> patron that is really interesting yeah all right um so that is the, all the xanathar's tables i guess we're going to move into the core features of the bard which I, for the record, I love. Bards get what is called bardic inspiration. And these are dice that you have, um, it's like a pool, and you can use them to help allies. You roll a dice and you add it to their roll. Very helpful, very fun. And that's like, I always pictured it as you're furiously playing your instrument, you're looking across the battlefield and you see someone who needs help and you kind of direct your magical song called about by name in the song. Yeah, or you you encourage them, right? And and all of a sudden Uh they start performing better. They start uh, hitting more accurately mm-hmm. i love that yeah um i i also um i i've been trying to really think about bards like i said that aren't musicians um and one thing i saw i think on reddit was um a, a bard that's a juggler and the bard is just constantly juggling <laughs> but these orbs that he's juggling are his bardic inspiration oh and so he can literally as he's juggling throw one of these orbs and it hits someone and it just goes poof and that is their bardic inspiration <laughs> um, and it's like this magical boost of and so they have this limited number of orbs that they're constantly juggling um but i like the idea of making it something other than kind of magic musical notes that just blast into their ears but something like a juggler or yeah but inspiration is such a cool system um next they have the jack of all trades uh, how would you describe this, Jake? So this is, they get, uh, I think, their expertise to two more skills, right? Or is it half their expertise? Uh, they get yes. half their expertise to all skills. So um, oh my gosh. At, at level 20, that's plus three to everything, which is crazy. Wow. Or actually, yeah. as early so, as level 17, it's plus three to everything, which is pretty so, good. I mean, this is the skill monkey. It's back. <laughs> uh, uh. Um, in addition to Jack of all trades, they get expertise, which um, I learned about when I read it today. And that is that you choose two of your known skills and you boost them. Um, I yeah. forget exactly how much, but yes. Yeah, so, you double the proficiency bonus. Yeah, which is amazing. That's so, yeah. That's so great. Yeah. Uh, this is all good. bards. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, they get the Song of Rest. 
uh, which boosts healing for allies during short rests. Personally, I don't think that healing needs to be any easier in 5e, but it's it's useful. It's flavorful. Yeah, it is. I would yeah. I would like to see this do something else that's a little more uh, roleplay focused. Like maybe you, um, I don't know, you could boost a proficiency for the group for the, the or boost a skill for the next day or something. Um, it's a little more interesting than just healing. Huh. It, it's it's really interesting for me because I've had um, my players are not fond of clerics apparently, <laughs> um, and so there has not been much or not been many healers in my games, uh, but there's been a plenty of bards. I mean, I actually did it today. I wrote down every class and I put tick marks for how many players have played that class in all of my games, hmm. um, and. I, I crunched the numbers, folks, and the number one most played class for my games is the Bard. Oh, hey. Um, I have had five different Bards, um, which is crazy. So so I, I've had a lot of Bards in my games. People clearly like the Bard. Um, and, and a lot of time, the Bard has acted as the main healer because there has not been, um, you know, kind of a, a main uh, healer. And I know 5e has kind of tried to not have like designated roles and kind of everyone can a little bit do everything. Mm -hmm. Um, but, but yeah, that, that song of rest, uh, from the bard has been very, very helpful, um, in dungeons and, you know, helping my, my players without, uh, having a main healer. Five bards. Sounds like you're going to get five stamps on your bard card. (laughs) If you have a, if you get a sixth one, you get a free sub. (laughs) (laughs) I was going to say a free bard. Oh, you get a free sub. <laughs> just a random guy that shows up to your table as a bard. Just oh. like, hey, I'm here to deliver your sub. I, oh, no. <laughs> I feel like uh, we need to move on. <laughs> oh, boy. Oh, um, all right, so that was Song of Rest. Um, next is the Counter Charm. This is sort of like an aura. You play a song. I think it's an action to activate. Uh, and this song boosts your allies' saves against being frightened and charmed, which is really cool. Yeah, I like this. It's yeah, it, it it fits tonally with what the bard is. Um really great. It hits flavor-wise and it also hits um all the right <laughs> pun intended notes oh. uh, for 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 what the class is supposed to do as support. <laughs> Ooh, I'm disgusted. <laughs> oh boy. Um this one I think David would love oh. uh just for sort of min-maxing your effectiveness and that is they get magical secrets at um oh shoot at 10th level so this is a pretty high level um but it says you have plundered magical knowledge from a wide spectrum of disciplines plundered choose two spells from any class including this one the spell you choose must be a level you can cast so you just grab a spell from any other class and it's yours two of them that's yeah that's nice that's nice that that and it's it's crazy because you hear that and it almost sounds game breaking because all these spell lists are like, this is a cleric spell, this is a warlock only spells, and like the bard is like, pick any. Beginning. And I was like, whoa, that's, whoa, okay. Yeah. Next is the capstone ability. It's called Superior Inspiration. Uh, Jake, how do you feel about this? Okay, okay, so this, this is like objectively the worst capstone in the game. So essentially, you whenever you start combat, you just get one more inspiration dice, and it's not it's necessarily like, that bad. Oh my god! But like, okay, David, David, it doesn't sound that bad if you got it at like level five. But like, I mean, at level twenty, like, 
people at this point are like avatars of their gods. Okay, so like, <laughs> let let me explain. So okay. you you look at the bard class as a whole, and you look at the power curve. If they were to get something like what the thieves, the rogue one, it's rogue just one, rogue one, haha, <laughs> great movie. So uh, so you look at like the if you look at the rogue capstone ability. Um, if you fail an ability check, you can treat the d20 roll as a 20. And then once you do it, you can't uh, use the feature again until you finish a short or long rest. That's which insane. Is, which is really, really good and really powerful. But you look at the rogue's progression over time, and they really need that ability in order to keep up with all of the other classes in, in terms of power. Whereas okay. the bard doesn't need more power into the class at the 20th level okay. because they so, have ninth level spells they have all sorts yeah. of tools and abilities and specializations. and specializations and proficiencies they they have so much more utility that they can offer that if they were to get a capstone ability that was as powerful it would just make the class overpowered i already yeah. think the bard is overpowered but we'll talk about that later <laughs> not necessarily overpowered so, but very powerful but we'll yeah see. it's we'll really good it and so here's the thing i think that this capstone ability is not that great because um the play testers of D, when they're trying to make subclasses or classes in general they take into account multi-classing and how this can be abused within the rules and so i think the bard is almost designed to dip into another class just a little bit Ooh, um, because it, it would be it would be more beneficial to instead of getting you know your top levels in bard to dip into paladin and get divine smites or to get a sneak attack or to you know get um a packed weapon with a, a warlock so i think this is almost designed with the intention of i don't think any player um, that has opened the rule book of allowing them to multi-class. I don't think any player is going to go bard 1 to 20. Um, I think they're going to dip into some classes along the thing. way. Maybe. Yeah, I, th <laughs> I think that um, if we were to graph the power curve of the rogue versus the bard, um, you would see for the rogue a, a linear progression of just more power um, very effectively over time. To or 20. the fighter. Or the, the same thing with the fighter. But I think with yes. the bard, it's more like a bell curve where you see like most of the best stuff you're getting yes. is kind of mid-level. And I would say I, by the time you're around 11th or 12th, um, honestly, I would probably go up to level 10 and then multi-class into just about anything else. I, I think yeah. that the bard is fine to like level up to 18. And It is. It is. And but like, 19 I or think... 20, you could argue like, yeah, you can multi-class, but... I don't think there's anything else that you really need to multi-class into. Like, the bard is good on its own. It doesn't need to be multi-classed into. Yeah. You're right. Well, You're right. It, it, it is. But it also depends on the subclasses, which we will now get into. Oh, I'm so excited. We are moving into the subclasses of the bard, also known as the bardic colleges. Um, which, okay, I was going to make a joke, but I can't think of one. <laughs> Something about uh, my education was a joke. Uh, uh, Jake's <laughs> life is a joke. Uh, I don't know. Got him. <laughs> it's, uh, we're just going to move on. All we're right, just going to uh, forget that. For, sorry, guys. Sorry, Jake. He rolled, a, he rolled a three. I, you, actually, I really did. <laughs> That's what it's like to roll a three in real life. <laughs> if you'd like more real life rolls, subscribe. <laughs> if you want more real life low rolls, <laughs> then just continue living your normal life. Oh. oh. 
get burned. Do you want to experience low charisma rolls for the rest of your life? Well, you're doing great, kid. Do you ex- do you suffer from low charisma? <laughs> Subscribe now to the podcast or suffer from low charisma rolls for the rest oh, of your life. My gosh. Oh, okay, no. okay. So I have this fun idea right now before we go into the subclasses. Um, I don't know if this would be fun at all, but imagine when you play D anD D, your players make. Um, you would have a dice rolling like a random stat array, right? Yeah. But it's pretty high. Like it's five d six, drop the lowest two. So they're they average really high, five or, or you know, whatever. It's a high um, array. But every character you make after that has to be a descendant of that character. Oh my oh. god! Yes. And so maybe you'd make two parents, and right, and so and and you combine their stats, and you have to pick like some oh. some stats and so eventually you're drilling down and down and down trying to keep the best stuff and you have oh. this natural oh selection God. of statistics oh wow <laughs> until eventually like your family is notoriously strong but bad at everything oh or, or you know insert your stat here okay have you guys played a game called crusader kings mm. i've heard it's, of it i've it, heard of it it's a, it's essentially civilization uh but you have to control it via a real bloodline <laughs> And so you're trying to expand your empire and gain armies and raise taxes and all this stuff. But like your bloodline, like sometimes they get random traits, right? So one, one kid will be born and he's a genius. Um, and maybe that kid will be your second son. So you can, you can, you can basically set up an assassination of your first son in order to get your second son a genius on the throne. But then occasionally, like, your, your your character will get sick. So, like, the king will get pneumonia and die. Oh, my gosh. And, like, and like you have to really, like, marry into different different uh, <laughs> kingdoms and try to maximize your... Like, it is insane. Like, occasionally you'll get a kid who has, like... He... he it'll just say, like, very slow. Um, <laughs> men, like, it'll just say, like, mentally handicapped. Um, and just like all this stuff and like, you're like, oh my gosh, I have to have another kid. I have another kid. And then your wife dies. Oh my gosh. And you're like, oh no, 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 no. And then the, cause, because the time goes in years and like, I think each 10 seconds is one year that ticks by. And so like, you're like, I got to find another wife. I got to get another kid. I got to, I got to change this. And then suddenly it's like, oh, you caught pneumonia and died. Oh my gosh. And then suddenly you have this mentally handicapped ruler. (laughs) who's on the throne and there's all these rebellions now because they're like oh he's this guy doesn't know what's going on let's rebel (laughs) but it's such a weird thing of like tracking your bloodline (laughs) oh it it is it makes you feel weird because you look at medieval times you're like this was some weird gross chess game yeah for sure (laughs) oh man (laughs) i remember that there was uh i guess this is tangentially related um I'm, I'm reminded of a challenge or some sort of uh, format. People played The Sims 2 or 3 numerous years ago. Um, uh-huh. And you had to raise 10 generations of one family. Oh. And you couldn't cheat. And you had like they had all these rules about like passing on wealth and stuff. And uh, a oh, lot of people did so... it. I love playing games like that. Oh, making like um, arbitrary challenges for like games that yes, don't have them. Yes, like like there's one. Um, I can't remember what the challenge is called. You might remember it. It's uh, playing a Pokemon game. Oh yes, um, where you can't you bring it back to life. To, I think. Yes, you have to capture. Anytime you enter a new zone, you have to capture that Pokemon, mm-hmm. um, and you have to name them something personal to you. And whenever they run out of HP, you have to let them go. You have to release them. Yep. Yeah, and yep. it's like, oh my 
God. It's like some Iron Man challenge thing. Yeah, and it changes everything because you go through the game and like you'll you'll flee to the Poke Center like every two minutes. Yeah, because you like, can't risk. I, it's it's like XCOM at that point. I don't want Donnie to die. Yeah, it is like X, XCOM with Pokemon. <laughs> <laughs> we are talking about subclasses, um, the Bardic Colleges. The first college is the College of Lore, or as I've subtitled it, Socrates in Pursuit of Truth. Oh, interesting subtitle. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I would almost call them uh, <laughs> a charlatan in pursuit of lies. <laughs> oh, well, let's not let's not talk about Socrates. <laughs> no, okay. So, no, I, so you get into yours, and I'll get into mine. Oh, so so this is the bard's bard. This is like the classic. When you think of a bard, this is what you think of. Um, they they are essentially knowledge brokers. Yeah. Um, they deal in secrets and knowledge, um, and rumors. Um, yeah, just when you think of the bard, this is kind of the, the main thing. The reason I call it Socrates is it, um, reading through their abilities, they are able to destroy people with words yeah. and arg- mm-hmm. argumentation, and they just have such a vast store of knowledge. method. Yeah. yeah. And so, um, for some god awful philosophy class I had to take in college, um, we had to read through a bunch of Socrates' arguments, specifically the one he made right before he was executed. <gasps> I love it. Um, you know, I with a better teacher, I would have loved it too. Um, <laughs> but you just wanted to drink hemlock the whole class. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, I'm not convinced that I didn't, and this is all a, a very <laughs> oh, lucid no. hallucination, fever dream. <laughs> Jokes on you! You're actually Socrates. <laughs> oh, whoa! What a tw- oh man! What a twist! This is like. Ancient Greece? Reddit r slash writing prompt. <laughs> uh, I feel like David himself is a Reddit writing prompt. But yeah, so um, it was all about using words and uh, singing songs. It's kind of like being a country singer and a Greek philosopher. So um, <laughs> let's let's get into this. The first one you get is cutting words. So normally you oh, use your inspiration die this. to boost your ally's ability to succeed, but now you can use it to cut your opponents down. Oh. You just point at them and scold them and they feel um, de- demotivated and you demoralized. Fat slag. <laughs> Dude, oh my god. Okay. This reminds me uh, of of Star Wars, right? <laughs> No, wait, what? No, what's this about Star Wars? Cloyd Banderhall, the ex-stormtrooper commander we play in Star Wars, and you had, like, harsh argumentation or something, and you would just, like, look at people, and you would just scream at them, and, like, give them all kinds of disadvantages. I, I... Yes, I played a politician yes. who like didn't even fight. Oh my god. The fact that you remember his name was Cloyd Vanderbilt. <laughs> oh my god. He stands I'm out. I'm so happy. <laughs> you know who wasn't happy? Cloyd Vanderhall. Oh no. <laughs> so um what back um when I when I first started playing D D, one of my characters um was a uh a lore bard. Um College of Lore. And a so lard? this sometimes <laughs> <laughs> Well, <laughs> much like Jake deserves, in real life, oh. that doesn't deserve. <laughs> that's not even a meme at this point. So you're reaching here. So you're playing this a large. This is just like, it, he was a funny guy. Oh, you mean a phi? <laughs> <laughs> but the phi is not as funny as the word lard. Yeah. <laughs> that's true. That's true. Um, so so uh, this guy was, I think I've talked about him before. He was a um, washed up rock star bard. Yes. Um, so he was like an old of like late 60s bard who like everyone kind of remembers but it, he's way past his prime uh, and, and he went um they experienced a changeling uh, or a doppelganger um that could change his appearance 
and they almost had this this doppelganger killed and uh he looks at the doppelganger and does cutting words and says no matter what you turn into you'll always be ugly (laughs) (laughs) and and then the doppelganger turns into him the bard What a, that's that's just the the no you. Oh, it's yes, so yes. funny. And so the doppelganger turns into an exact replica of the bard, and the bard's like, "All right, point point taken." <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> it was just the perfect thing. Like as a DM, it just something lit up, and I'm like, "Yeah, he's got to turn." It. <laughs> <laughs> there is only one choice There's in this only situation. One. <laughs> Oh. You'll always be ugly, and then he's like, "All right, so <laughs> got him." <laughs> okay, oh, but cutting words is so flavorful in combat. Like it's so, it, it's kind of silly and it's kind of ridiculous. But like, man, you can have a lot of fun at the table if someone who's who's good at being a bard using this. Uh, the next ability they have is additional magic secrets. So in the core class, they get two spells from any class, and the uh, college of lore gives you two more this is like you can almost make a half kind of wizard with with this kind of bard a lore bard can start casting spells that are pretty ridiculous um and they can almost man they can fit into any group they're so versatile and they can pick so many different spells Hmm. i like the idea that you can grab spells from any class and and you're thinking it's easy to think of stealing the two spells from the wizard, but uh, depending on the needs of the group, you could steal things from a cleric if you needed to be more of a support healer, um, or even a warlock. And that gives me an idea of a bard who has manipulated or finagled his way into the warlock relationship with the patron, oh. and he's just like disguised himself like or, or lied. Yeah, right. And he's he's gotten some of that power. That's cool. I like that. Maybe you have a warlock in the group and he's like, oh he's God. also talking to the patron behind he's the like, warlock's back. Hey, are you talking to Narlepatep? Uh, I'll join you. <laughs> hey, uh, Narlepatep, it's me again, this, the cleric you're talking to. <laughs> that's so funny. Uh, but yeah, so that's the College of Lore. Next is the College of Valor. I titled it Remember the Great Heroes of Old. This guy yes. is all about... Um, war tales so this is like um i've heard this called i think in the previous editions or maybe just in other places this called the scald which is kind of a norse um teller of tales uh about the heroes of valhalla um and so i really like that the flavor of this it's just this it's all about combat and the glory of war and telling the tales of warriors of old Mm-hmm. So this bard blurs, um, or I should say dips into that more martial class. Yes. So this is kind of like a fighter who also has deep wells of knowledge about the world, can still perform instruments or j- tell jokes, depending on what you want to do. <laughs> um, but like when you pick this class, you gain proficiency with medium armor shields and martial weapons. So like you gear up and you're going to go toe-to-toe yeah. on the battlefield, which I think is really cool. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the Valor gets... Um, so in addition to the armor and, and weapon specializations, they get combat inspiration. So as we said, inspiration by default can be used to boost allies. Um, I think just their to hit, to rolls. hit. Yeah, yeah, just saving uh, throws just for the d20 rolls. Yeah, uh, but now you can use it for their weapon damage, which I think is great. Yeah, this can get huge. This is something like if you team this up with, um, say, like a high, high, high level rogue who does like a sneak attack. 
Um, oh, yeah. And Ooh. just does a ton of damage. And adding the combat inspiration on top of that, they are just walloping the enemy. Um, I think this can be really tactical um, and can add, yeah, just a, a heavy punch to any combat scenario. They also gain an extra attack, which is great. It's still not um, super duper compared to other more martial focused classes, but it's nice. And then the last thing they get at level 14 is battle magic, which is just two words that I think should always go together. <laughs> um, and that says whenever you cast a bard spell, you also get a free melee attack. Yeah. So you can, you can, um, it, yeah, th this just kind of makes sense. Like, I feel like if you're like kind of a war caster, um, yeah, you should be able to cast a spell and also hit in the same turn. Mm -hmm. So just, this is just a, the the Disney hero class where they're just singing and just like swinging their sword around and whenever they like hit the high note they just swing and they hit no one hits like Gaston no one crushed like Gaston oh we're gonna have to get the copyrights on that well yeah so that is the College of Valor uh, we're moving into the College of Glamour this one uh, at first glance or should I say at first blush at first glance <laughs> at first glam it oh. seems <laughs> <laughs> Please stop. It seems odd, um, but they describe it in the player's handbook as you are tutored by magical creatures, and they say that could be um, like maybe you traveled into the Fey Wild, yeah, like Fey magic. You're under the tutelage of satyrs, Eladrin, or other Fey. Yes. So already you're getting into this kind of bard who um, wears moss in his hair. It's it's mm. almost like a druid bard. Or, I, or I disagree. Drard. Drard. I think this one is just more manipulationy. Um, I don't know if it's more naturey, um, because this one is just pure, not entire. So, so the next college that we'll talk about later is the College of Whispers, um, oh, and that yes. one is more the dark side of this. This one is more of the light side of human manipulation, or I shouldn't say human, uh, creature <laughs> manipulation. If you can call um, mind controlling people lighthearted, Jake, then. Um... <laughs> Yes, it's very well, here's the thing. Here's the thing. They are not, they're charming people. And so that is kind of a fine line between light and dark. Because, because so the, the College of Glamour, I'm imagining um, there's a mundane magic item uh, that you put on uh, and it's called the uh, Cloak of Billowing. Oh, and yeah. essentially when you choose, the cloak billows. <laughs> And that's, that's it. it. Um, and this kind of kind of has the same flavor as the College of Glamour. This is the one where it's like you are gorgeous. You are insanely attractive and beautiful and fantastic and talented. And people are just charmed by you innately. Um, yeah, I had I had one of my players as a College of Glamour. Uh, and yeah, like basically the group would run out of money and they would just go to Waterdeep or whatever city they were near. And he would just be like, okay, I, I want to do my, my, my stuff. And he would charm an entire huge multi-level tavern and would just collect mountains of gold. Whoa. Um, I don't and, know if that's within the rules, Jake. <laughs> no. Cause like if you make some, some charisma rolls, um, people like to see bards. Um, uh, but yeah, it's, this one's really interesting. I really like this one. This is like the Bard's Charisma turned up to 25. Hmm, okay. Actually, the max that you can have any skill is at a 20, Jake. So. That's, that, well, that makes my point even more valid. Oh. <laughs> um, okay, so as we said, the College of Glamour is a beautiful, charming Bard, uh, much like David. No, oh, oof, no. I'm blushing. <laughs> and my shirt is off. Oh, cool. Again, I can, I can confirm. Yes, it is. 
Um, so the first uh, trait they get at level three is the mantle of inspiration. And I, I had to look twice at the notes here because uh, you use a bonus action to make yourself have a wondrous appearance and allies within 60 feet of you gain five temporary hit points. So you're, you're like not healing, but you're making your allies healthier just by looking at you. Yeah. Just feeling great. <laughs> I feel great when I look at you. Imagine being that hot that you're just, whenever someone looks at you, they just like feel better about themselves. <laughs> That's how I feel about the Stagliano brothers. Oh yeah. Um, for Michael and Steven, if you're listening, um, you definitely have the mantle of inspiration, <laughs> college of glamour built in. <laughs> right. Oh man. <laughs> oh, those guys are great. And pretty. Okay, next. Okay, and next is the enthralling, <laughs> enthralling performance. This is like Jake was saying, lets you charm. He said you charm large groups of people, but in fact, you charge or you charm charge. a few people. Um, up to equal to your wisdom modifier, which typically will be three or four. And even then they have to make a saving throw, blah, 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 blah. Mm-hmm. Um, it's pretty difficult, but you can still get like a, um, a, a number of people on your side. Dude, having fans, especially in smaller cities, it makes a difference. Mm. That helps a lot. Um, this, this kind of fits into the bard's um, nature of being really good at downtime. Um, you know, because a barbarian, when he walks into a city, is not going to think about gaining allies but like a bard can especially college of glamour can come in and just just like sweep people off their feet and suddenly you have two or three villagers who who will do anything to make you happy (laughs) and that helps like that like we craft our npcs and if they're enthralled with someone like one of the players like that helps that that helps a lot um you get mantle of majesty um this lets you cast command as a bonus action. A command oh, the spell. spell. That's so Ooh. good. That is really good. Without expending a spell slot. So this is even more what I was talking about. Like, getting NPCs on your side. Oh, that's great. Hmm. The last ability you unlock at level... Uh, at level 14 is Unbreakable Majesty. You're so lovely and fierce that enemies have a hard time attacking you in combat. Oh, don't they have to make a saving throw in order to yeah. attack you? That is yeah, so yeah. that is so funny. Imagine just a, a gross, ugly, like hobgoblin approaching you, just like <gasps> and then they look up and like, oh, she's beautiful. I can't attack her. <laughs> no, like I love that. That's so funny. <laughs> is that I want that voice. Um, I'm gonna get you just saying, you have a text message. Oh, <laughs> Oh. You got like a new email, boy. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Uh, all right. Uh, this one, it might be my favorite of all of the bard colleges, and that's the College of Whispers. Whispers. Oh, yes. Whispers. This is the wolves among sheep. I feel like we should review this subclass just in ASMR. Um, I disagree. I want to die. <laughs> <laughs> So the, the main thing the College of Whispers gets is they get something called Psychic Blades. Um, and so I guess whenever you attack with your weapon damage, I think you can add Psychic Damage to it, right? Like, that is, that's super cool. I like the the flavor of this. Like, how people are reacting to, like, imagine cutting someone up, but then they're also, their mind is also like, oh, ouch. 
Oof, my mind. <laughs> Oof, my bones. Some kind of mind toxin. <laughs> I love that. Like, it, it's it's cool being able to hit, hurt them physically and mentally at the same time. Yeah. There, I don't think there's any other effect in D&D that does that thematically just the way this is doing. Well, especially that early. Oh, yeah. This is Because this is like their kind of starting ability. Yeah. Uh, you get, in addition to psychic blades, you get words of terror. It says... Um, I'm going to read this because it's so strange, Jake. I feel like this is um, kind of like Kilgrave if you've seen Jessica Jones. Oh, yeah, on. yeah, yeah. All right. So um, at third level, you learn to infuse innocent seeming words with an insidious magic that can inspire terror. This is some Lovecraft stuff. It says, <laughs> if you speak to a humanoid alone for at least one minute, you can attempt to seed paranoia in its mind. At the end of the conversation, the target must succeed on a wisdom saving throw against your spell or be frightened of you or another creature. Whoa. Mm. Wow. Yeah. That is, yeah, that is Lovecraftian. It's just, mm-hmm. and like I said, it's kind of the opposite of the College of Glamour because the Glamour is like charm. We want to charm everyone. This one is like, I want to make everyone terrified of me. Like, it <laughs> is so scary. Um, uh, next, the College of Whispers has the Mantle of Whispers. Um... This one says, at 6th level, you gain the ability to adopt a humanoid's persona. When a humanoid dies within 30 feet of you, you can magically capture its shadow using your reaction. You retain this shadow until you use it or finish a long rest. You can use the shadow as an action. When you do so, it vanishes, magically transforming into a disguise that appears on you. You now look like the dead person, except healthy and alive. This disguise lasts for one hour or until you end it as a bonus action. While you're in this disguise, you gain access to all information that that humanoid would freely share with a casual acquaintance. Such information includes general details on its background and personal life, but doesn't include secrets. Oh my gosh. This, like, this is horrible. This is, like, this is made for a horror game. Like, imagine being the wife of a farmer, and somehow these adventurers come in, the farmer tries to defend himself or whatever, and he ends up killed. Um... (laughs) And imagine this, 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 the farmer approaching his wife, um, and the wife's like, oh, hello, honey, how have you been? And he's like, I need to, I need to know this information. She's like, oh, why are you acting so weird? Um, and like, she reveals the information and then the, the, the college. What's your mother's maiden name? (laughs) The the college of whispers bard just drops the shadow and, and like, she sees behind him that the. The farmer's corpse is just behind him, and the College of Whispers Bard is like, "Thank you for your service." And just like, oh, it's just oh. so ugh, horrifying. Um, that exact scene is very similar to one from a documentary I watched called Men in Black. You sly. Oh, wait. So, so the College of Whispers gets one more thing, right? The the shadow oh, the, lore. The final, uh, yes, shadow lore. To put it simply, you can use blackmail and fear to charm someone for eight hours. So, so this, yeah, I, yeah, I very like unusual. This because you essentially pick any NPC and make them like an ally of yours for eight Just hours. For a day. Yeah. But they're not really an ally. There's, they are someone who is horrified of you. Yeah. Um, and so it's like, it's really interesting to have an ally that's following you around. Who's also like <laughs> existentially terrified of you. <laughs> well, it's not really terror. Um, they're f- afraid you're going to reveal tell their secrets. Yeah. This is just the 
the Frank Underwood class. Oh, oh, that's good. That's great. Oh, that'd be a great College of Whispers. Mm. Yeah, that's good. That would be a great College of Whispers. <laughs> oh, man. Right, and that is all of the college. Oh, wait, oh, excuse me. There's one college left, and that's the College of Swords. The oh. Blade Dancer. Uh, Jake, describe this, because I'm having trouble differentiating this from the um, the College of Valor. Valor. So this one, so the Valor is still more of a kind of bard, because um, the, the, the College of Valor, um, they gain proficiencies and they kind of beef up. This one is almost like the, um, what's the the Unearthed Arcana subclass for the, the wizard? It's like the Elven Blade Dancer one. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, this is more similar to that. Um, so everything you do is kind of... Um, possessed with magic so i imagine this this character almost has like two rapiers and is like stabbing and twisting and flourishing and, and spinning um and it's almost actually like, jake you can't do wield rapiers <laughs> oh no well thank god that was could you imagine the fun <laughs> had with that jeez <laughs> can you guys imagine oh that would be horrible if someone could have that much fun <laughs> <laughs> you sound like my dad <laughs> So, um, so this one, I almost imagine this, and this is probably wrong, but I imagine this character almost, um, fighting and then their weapons are floating around them as they fight. Um, and so they can like, like, you know, grab their weapons out of the air, but sometimes there's like, you know, a scimitar floating above them and then suddenly they grab it and slash. It could be really, (laughs) really fun because so the first thing they gain fighting styles um from the more martial classes so they can gain um the defensive one or the dueling one or the two weapon fighting one um and they also gain some battle master fighter kind of maneuvers uh where they can roll their inspiration dice to give themselves or other people more armor class just for one round <laughs> um which could be incredibly useful like i like a very tactical bard i think this one is is for people that want to play a bard but have a lot of options Hmm. and that's saying a lot because the bard already comes with a lot of options yeah yeah um so they get they get an extra attack um along with the valor bar so the same kind of deal there um and the last thing they get is the master's flourish which is all of their blade flourish maneuvers require an inspiration dice um now when you get master's flourish, they don't. You can just do the the uh, the flourishes by themselves, uh, which is pretty cool. Um, and then you can kind of use your inspiration dice on the side. Um, so yeah, this one I'm very intrigued by this one because someone uh, in one of my groups has uh, has agreed to play one. So mm. I'm very excited to see how this one will uh, will act. It, I love classes. Fun. I love classes that have a lot of variety within the subclasses where the class, it doesn't really change into something else, but it's very different than what you might expect from a bard. And I think that the College of Swords and the College of Whispers fulfill that. Oh, yeah. I think I think bard is one of the best subclasses um, or the best classes with subclasses where all of them feel exceptionally different. Um, I don't know. Like you look at a College of Whispers bard compared to you know college of valor and it's just a completely different concept and all of these concepts are very distinct and unique and fun um 
yeah, it, it, it's it's hard to get that sort of flavor into the game design. Uh, but I think, like like we've said many times, I think 5th edition and the creators of 5th edition have just nailed it with the bard and the subclasses and just the class in general. It's nice to have a uh, class to get excited about. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. This is After the Rangers. Okay, buddy. Uh, <laughs> oh! <laughs> Got him. So, do you guys think that the bard colleges are actually colleges like with a campus and everything so uh i've played in some games run by people and they actually were i remember oh okay the bard character was at their bard college and they were just they were trying to do something and they was my game i think this was when silas was playing yeah there's like a rival yeah and there was his a rival bard that like came up (laughs) And like they had an argument, and then eventually, I don't even. They, they had like a battle of the bands. And yeah. The, the crowd. So I made up a little mechanic about uh, them winning the crowd's favor to, to win oh, the. Oh yes. The, yeah, it was super funny, uh, and the guy was just kind of a doofus. He talked like <laughs> a Californian surfer cliche. Um, That's awesome. But but I gave him the exact same stats as the player character bard because oh, they were both yes. equally competent. That's yeah. great. It was great. Yeah. Oh man. So, so, um, what's the college? What was it like? Like, like, what do you guys think of? So, I don't remember specifically. There, I, I remember that they were in Waterdeep, and there was just a lot of stuff going on. Um, but I have two schools of thought for this, and one is that if if you're in a big metropolitan kind of game, then you definitely have colleges. But if you're more in the city in the wilderness and like this, I guess, Lord of the Rings feel where civilization are these little points of light on a map, uh-huh. um, then your college would be more like um, like a, a mentor. Yeah. Yeah. Or it's even just, being, just living in a bar forever. You know, like you grew up in a bar and your college of lore was just adventurers coming in and out and talking yes. to people for years in a singular, <laughs> you know, tavern. Yeah. Yeah. That, what, are you, what are your thoughts, Jake? So I think I, I'm trying um, to improve my world building by adding, when we talked about the monk class, uh, we, we noted monasteries um, and how I really want to try to have more monasteries in my world. Um, same thing with the bard colleges. I want to have colleges like in my cities and, and places that they can interact with. Um, I think it would be incredibly interesting to like... <laughs> Like, imagine they're like, oh, crap, we need this information. All right, party, I need you to go into uh, this college and uh, get this information. And that college is the College of Whispers. And so these are like, you know, teens or young adults who are being trained to keep secrets and to be information brokers. And so it's like Harry Potter. (laughs) Well, no, 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 not at all. (laughs) (laughs) Not even close, David. Wow. Um, so no, it like it would be very interesting to see someone trying to get information out of a college of whispers um, instead of like imagine going to a college of lore or um, I've heard one of the unearthed arcana uh, colleges, which I looked at, which is apparently a little underpowered. Um, it's called the College of Satire hmm. um, and it's basically a pure jester bard. Um, and all you do is like make fun of people. So you get like a better cutting words, um, and you get exceptional dodge, but you have like no (laughs) melee damage capacity at all. (laughs) So basically what you do is you just insult people and dodge. (laughs) 
<laughs> uh, which which fits the jester perfectly. Um, and I love the idea of a college of satire. Um, but yeah, I really I really like the idea of of bardic like colleges existing in the world. So I would encourage all the dungeon masters out there, um, along with you know the monks monastery, um, or like you know a paladin's uh, order. Um, all those things should have a real presence um, in the world. Um, so think about including locations of of bard colleges um, and having your players interact with them. I think that's that's really cool to add to your world building. Would we have bard college loans as well? <laughs> oh my gosh. Yes, and they're getting out of control. <laughs> <laughs> um, so how would we improve the bard? I think it's pretty great. I don't know. So... Here are my thoughts on the bard mechanically. Oh, here we go. Here, here we go. Strap in. All right. Cha-ching. So I, I love the lore of the bard. I think it's very flavorful. However, I do think that mechanically, it's the power really comes from just being a jack of all trades. Like the bard can do anything because you get your proficiency bonus to pretty much any skill. There are problems where the bard can outshine other classes and almost do things better than they can do them themselves. Huh. So it, the power of the bard class doesn't come from uh, the identity of being a bard. It comes from just being able to do everything well. Jack of so all trades, you can master cast... of all. <laughs> yeah. And it kind of, because of that, it kind of lacks identity in what it can do. I think it, it, there are some skills which are really cool, like the Song of Rest, and that's that adds some nice flavor and uh, some cool stuff. But I think mechanically it is like powerful, it is good, but it, it kind of can sh- outshine other classes. And I would like to have seen more of the class have more of its own identity in mechanically speaking. Huh. Hmm. The first one, because normally what happens is in this this segment of class uh, analysis, um, we'll talk about a class and then David will go, I don't like this class because it behaves like the class should. And then I go, David, that the class is supposed to behave like that. But right now I go, yeah, yeah, David, you got a, you got a good point. I agree. It, it can outshine <laughs> classes at its own thing. And that is a weird yeah, it, it is a weird conundrum, you know, because you could be a sorcerer mm-hmm. and you're like, wait, why does the bard have my spells and can cast them more than me? <laughs> yeah, and can also like wine and dine people like better than I can, even though you're a high charisma class. Oh, yeah, well, yeah, that yeah, that is a little interesting. I think that, um, the way I would improve the bard is just to remind people not to be so silly. It's very easy to see this and think of them as this corny gesture who's cracking jokes constantly or making music references, which is super fun and very funny. Um, but there's definitely a lot more to this class if you sit down and think about yeah. their place in the world and their background and who they really are. Absolutely. Whether yeah. that's playing um, a fife or an accordion or um, maybe not playing anything at all. And they just are excellent at like asking piercing questions that pierce your soul, right? Yeah. Um, this oratory excellence. Yeah, I think um, the same thing kind of for me, just in a different way. Um, I, I've already mentioned this in the episode. I think um, the bard, you, I think in general, our zeitgeist of the bard, we should move away from the idea of it always being a musician. Um, you know, I mentioned the other things before, but like I, I 
when you think of your bard, it doesn't have to be some guy with a guitar that's, you know, like I said, here's Wonderwall. Um, it, it, like, they, they can be someone that has way more expertise in writing or acting or dancing or juggling or anything. Um, think of your bard creatively uh, because, you know, bards are inherently creative. Um, so think of why uh, that bard exists um, and think about, like, what they provide to the world as entertainment. And it doesn't have to always be music. That that's what I that's how I'd improve the bard. Yeah. All right. Uh, this is one of our final questions. Who should play a bard? What kind of person should play? Okay. A bard? Okay. So this is first of all the the bard is one of my favorite classes because this may sound bad, but I don't know. I I feel like you cannot be introverted and play a bard. Mm. Um, the same thing applies to the paladin. Um, I think the paladin like. They have to be kind of inherently extroverted um, and willing to involve themselves in the world and to respond yeah. to things and be charismatic. Um, I think the bard is that times, you know, 10. Like, they need to be extroverts. They need to be willing to interact with everyone. Like, a shy bard is almost a paradox. Like, it doesn't really make sense. Um, you need to have, like, if, if someone wants to play a bard, make sure they are ready for the role play um the role play romp that they will go through role play romp <laughs> i would add people with a good sense of humor are going to be a good yes. fit for a bard because yeah. there's so many opportunities for really funny wordplay or um references to pop culture especially songs yeah um, i had this idea today um where uh let's say an assassin is closing in on the bard and he says, hello, darkness, my old friend, right? He doesn't have to sing it, but he's, he's referencing music and that's funny for a group. Yeah, no, absolutely, man. Like I, I, yeah. And this is, this is hard because a lot of the bard or a lot of D and D humor in general is kind of like dad puns, mm -hmm. you know? Um, yeah. And those definitely have a place. Um, and those can be great, you know, making people cringe and laugh at the same time. But yeah, a good sense of humor, um, especially just with the table, because someone can have a great sense of humor and maybe they're around a bunch of puritanical religious people that just don't get it. Um, like make sure like the sense of humor works with the group, but yeah, having a great sense of hum humor with the bard, it's just magic in action. <laughs> oh, I, I agree with both of you guys. This. Those are probably the two main traits is that you have to be engaging in the world and engaging in the social aspects of being a bard and having a sense of humor and just being able to be witty and kind of have that wordplay. If that if that kind of draws you in to the class, then you should definitely play it. Yeah. Hmm. Let's move into bard character concepts. These are concepts that... Um, we have each come up with that we would like to play or see in our games. Let's start out with Jake. Okay. So I've talked about this before. This is a, uh, I have recently watched Mike Merle's or as David would say, Mark Merle's uh, ha <laughs> happy fun hour uh, on YouTube where he basically just digs into character design um, and like subclass design and game design. It, it, it's insane. It's super great. Um, but he was making a class called the warlord, uh, which was a class I believe in fourth edition um, that has just, like, a lot of um, kind of commanding presence on the battlefield. Um, and I thought about making that, but not as its own subclass, like, making it as a multi-class. And I've, I've talked about it before, but having a Battlemaster fighter um, combined, like, multi-classed with a Valor Bard. 
Um, so they can like make battlefield maneuvers, but also hand out inspiration dice um, mm. would be super great. Like just have someone wow. that is a pure charismatic fighter um, that yeah. is trying to just be the leader um, and control the battlefield and make sure his allies are safe. Um, it's kind of tanky, kind of supporty. I, I really, I'm, I'm, oh, I want to play that class really bad. Uh, but the the pure bard concept that I'm thinking of um, is a pyrotechnic bard. So hear me out. Uh, like in the yeah. beginning of uh, the Lord of the Rings, uh, some of the hobbits uh, have a little bit f- of fun with uh, some of the the wizard stuff, some of Gandalf stuff, and you know they have the. Uh, the big kind of explosion of fireworks. Um, and a lot of festivals have fireworks. A lot of any D&D kind of has this kind of um, festival, cool pyrotechnic stuff. And I like the idea of a bard starting out as like a literal, almost artificer, like a fireworks designer who is just a pyrotechnic who just builds fireworks um, and, and makes fireworks displays for a living. But somehow gets twinged with magic or something um, where he can literally kind of start making fireworks magically. Hmm. Um, And so I like the idea of a bard that inspires people with just lights and explosions and purely like visual components. Um, Yeah. I I really like. Sounds like a, a, it sounds a lot like a, a laser light DJ. Yes, yeah, man. Like that that'd be a great. Like it's someone who is just like they use lights to inspire people and pump people up like just playing EDM and just like <laughs> shooting lasers yes. everywhere. Yes. Yeah, so I, I love the idea of a a pyrotechnic bard. <laughs> Pull out your swords and feel the beat. <laughs> wow, I'm I love it. Mine is what I call them the College of Mimes. <laughs> so <laughs> this is a uh, a multi-class character. It is ten levels in Bard and ten levels of an illusion wizard. Oh. Okay. And so the idea is that your uh, your opponents are distracted by your seemingly very strange performance, like the famously being stuck in a box or pulling a rope <laughs> that isn't there, or any of the other like mimery. Um, but you basically you've disguised a lot of objects or, or made them invisible or undiscernible in such a way that you really are pushing a large box and you just push it over onto <laughs> oh my God. the enemies and they'll never see it coming because they're just fascinating. Oh, this is just is like so the, the clickbait YouTube video <laughs> where they have like special effects, but the special yes. effects are actually real. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh. That. Wow, that would be weird. That would be a wild ride. I'm just imagining. So there's there's these videos where um, there will be two people on either side of the street, and they'll pretend to be like pulling a rope when there isn't a rope, and cars oh, will stop. I've done that all the time. Oh, yeah. yeah. So I'm just imagining like you do that, and, and a guy's just running, and he's just like, "What the heck?" And then he actually trips and falls because there's a rope there, and he just can't see. That is great. That fits the bard perfectly because it's it's inherently kind of practical, jokey, but also effective for combat because they're now prone. <laughs> yeah. That's yeah. super cool. So uh, aside from having some sort of dinner triangle playing part, <laughs> which would be pretty fun, um, I think that a a great bard would be a slam poet. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. So you you would just like he's very like you know clever with words. There's gnomes, the rocks. You're dead. 
Oh it just... <laughs> I did not expect this episode oh to go God. this way. <laughs> wow, what a wild ride. <laughs> that, that's wow. pretty much it. I haven't really thought it through, but... No, that could I think fit it would well. be fun. That could fit yeah. well. Slam poetry... Uh, let's be honest, folks. It It's not that hard. Like, no. <laughs> all the slam poets are just viciously oh writing what are you emails. talking about slam poetry grid slam poets just like listen up, <laughs> listen up friend <laughs> slam poetry is an art jake uh, barton dead <laughs> <laughs> oh man yeah i think bard has so much room for character concepts that are insane like like thinking of um even a bard, like I said earlier, like that has just a big, huge symbol that he clashes. <laughs> he also uses both symbols as shields. Yes. Oh my god. <laughs> just a heavily armored bard that is like concussive magic with symbols. <laughs> Could there oh, be the symbol, like a sigil of a symbol emblazoned on each symbol oh there, and that way you would have a symbol covered in symbol symbols we, we have gone too far <laughs> we're in too cut, deep cut cut the feed cut the feed <laughs> we're too deep get me out <laughs> oh man oh all right well i'm all right i'm ready for the vault welcome to this week's question vault every week we answer one of your questions you can submit your question to Podcast at gmail.com this week we have a question from Ken. Uh, he's written us in the past. This time he asks, "What are some of the best D and D snacks for D and D sessions?" Ooh. Um. Well, okay. In general, you guys, are you your tables that you are the dungeon master for? Are they big snacking tables or not? Um. It seems like all my players exclusively bring Taco Bell whenever the game starts. <laughs> so. If we're talking about, you know, the objectivity of, you know, what snacks are best, you definitely want <laughs> you definitely oh, no. want snacks that aren't going to get stuff on your fingies because you don't want to have Dorito dust on your character sheet because Disagree. then you're just going to have an orange piece of paper. Dude, and... that's what makes the true character sheet. There has to be. <laughs> OK, here's the deal. <sighs> Dylan, if you're listening, I'm sorry, uh, but but Dylan <laughs> has spilled several beers and pepsis and everything all over his character sheets whenever we played and every time we end the campaign you look at his character sheet and it's like it's just stained (laughs) (laughs) and so um we have a tradition of when your character dies we burn the character sheet oh um so let's just say when he died it lit up like a christmas tree oh It's like crackling and sizzling and like finds the Cheeto dust. Ugh. So like I think so um what are your okay. top top three snacks? I bottom line, I don't like to have snacks at the table. Oh. I controversial. Really don't. So I so here's what happens normally. Um I everyone comes over. Uh we normally everyone gets over about six thirty, we start at seven. Uh so everyone gets over. Um, and they all have brought food from various places. Um, there's a place called Cookout uh, around here that just has super cheap, super great meals. Um, some people will bring, you know, fried chicken or whatever. And um, they eat. And normally we eat while we're leveling up um, because people level up about every other session. Um, so, you know, leveling up, everyone's kind of confirming what happened last session. And then we 
we start. But in the session, I don't, yeah, I don't, I don't like having people eat. I don't want a big fat bowl of Doritos in the middle while we're playing. I don't know. I just, eh, no, I don't want it. I kind of agree, actually, Jake, because it seems more like we'll have breaks. Usually we'll have two or three breaks. They're like 10 minutes long yeah. um, over a three-hour session, maybe more. And um, the players will just go and they'll get their chips or their LaCroix, whatever it is they're drinking. Oh, yuck. Please stop. Whoa, whoa. <laughs> LaCroix is a blessing on this nation, oh. Jake. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> Okay. Also, because I'm playing with younger players, typically uh, we don't have alcohol. But I don't like having drinks just liquid at all at the table. Um, if you've ever, well, it sounds like you probably have experienced this a little bit, Jake. But um, there was the great board game ruining of 2008 when somebody spilled um, what like a huge glass of water on one of my new games. Oh no! Oh no! I don't, oh no! Which game? It, Which game? Um. I forget. It was a long. I mean, what, it was what 10 if, years what ago. What Will just said it was Candyland? No, no. This was. It didn't get all the pieces, but it got um, a lot of them. And I it was got crushed. all so, of Peanut Brittle Alley. <laughs> oh. <laughs> it destroyed Candy Cane Lane. Um, but anyway, I was I was quite bent out of shape about it, and so um, and then D and D being just regular paper. Um, one good spill can ruin your game. Your whole table's gone. Yeah. All your characters just yeah, everything down gone. the drain. I don't. Yeah, I don't. Because with Dylan, Dylan again. I'm sorry if you're listening. He he spilled his drink at least every session. <laughs> oh <laughs> but, my gosh! But like, I think with my guys, um, yeah, we have drinks at the table. Um, I think most people are drinking alcohol for for the sessions. What do you guys think of that in general? Of like alcohol at sessions um so when i have had alcohol um i keep it pretty light i don't want people getting drunk because it's just like a waste bottle a lot of, time. of bourbon at the table yeah right like people just mm-hmm. um tend to waste more time the more alcohol they've had so i don't want to keep it really light and then hydrate very well otherwise that you just get these rambling meandering time wasting sessions and yeah since i i pray i play so rarely um, i want to really get through stuff so um, we limit yeah. alcohol i so for for me i like a uh a group shot uh and then everyone uh you know has a beer or two um just to i don't know i play a lot of social um sessions and i feel that alcohol you know it doesn't help but it just kind of greases the gears mm-hmm. of people doing more bold things uh in social situations um so so yeah i like it but but you know my group is um you know quite older and uh yeah, I, I I feel like it it helps a lot. But if there's like a hard tactical combat session, uh, or there's like kind of a big story moment, like as a DM, I won't drink. Um, oh, I and, don't drink when I DM. Oh, I do. Um, but like I said, like if there is a a big kind of story event or it's a very tactical combat, I don't. Um, so it it just depends. Uh, but I think loosening up the gears of the alcohol, um, as long as you know people don't go overboard, it it can be much more interesting to see how people um, act, especially it's really funny just to see how people role play. Um, this may be a different topic entirely, but how people role play being drunk oh, is, yeah. is really funny. <laughs> I think it'd be fun to uh, have a more casual session and just to have like a drinking game, like wherever you, oh, no. whatever, whatever yes. anyone critically yes. fails, you have to like take a drink See, or something along those lines. So very recently, um, I've been playing quite a bit of super random 
Um, and so we've had, uh, just since the PDF launched with uh, our Patreon, uh, you can get it for $5 a month. Uh, we've been using the, the PDF to play some uh, Super Random here. And that's such, you know, it's such a one-shot and such a fun little thing that, yeah, that's something you can drink a lot while playing. Um, and we've just had loads of fun of uh, just having a bunch of people, a lot of them who have never played role-playing games, just coming in and and having a few beers and, and <laughs> rolling a few superpowers. Um, so, yeah, I guess in general it just depends on the session yeah and what you're trying to accomplish yeah. in my perfect world i would have would have a charcuterie plate if you're not familiar with that with what that is just do a google image search it's basically just a cheese and fruit and nut and assorted dried meats what um, in the f- you know, it's really <laughs> good it's good it's it's like a total hipster thing but it presents really well and it tastes delicious so um, I think if my if I could ever get my wife to play, she would definitely start making charcuterie trays. So let's say all the people that are trying and failing to spell charcuterie in their respective uh, <laughs> Google searches. <laughs> Give them a little uh, help. All right. That is C-H-A-R-C-U-T-E-R-I-E. Charcuterie. What a charcuterie. world. What a world. So, <laughs> so Ken, world. This you has asked been, the question. This uh, William's Word Corner. <laughs> So, Ken, you asked the question, uh, best snacks for D&D? The answer is charcuterie. <laughs> charcuterie. Charcuterie. <laughs> oh. And that's the vault, folks. Welcome to this week's review corner. Every week, we read our favorite five-star review from iTunes. And if we get a review somewhere else, we'll read that too. This week's review is from Waluigi, number one fan. Oh, <laughs> hmm. Bef- before oh, yes. I read this, I have to say, I'm not sure if I ever actually promised to read the reviews in their entirety. Um, I'm going to read this one, but this is the last time that I read the in- like a review-, a review like this. So, I'm so um, excited. This review is entitled, Wah, by William Shakespeare. Enter Waluigi. Wah appears above at a window. Waluigi. But soft, what light through yonder window breaks? It is the wah, and wah is the wah. Arise, wah, wah, and wah, the wah, wah. See how they lean their wah upon the wah. Oh, that I were a glove upon that wah, that I might touch that wah. Wah. Oh, Waluigi. Waluigi. Wherefore art thou, Waluigi? What's in a name? That which we call a wah by any other name would smell as wah. Dost thou love me? I know thou wilt say wah, and I will take thy word. Yet, if thou swearst, thou mayest prove wah, Waluigi. Noble by yonder wah, wah, I swear, that tips wah, the wah, wah, wah. Oh, swear not by the wah, the wah, wah, that wah changes in its wah orb, lest that thy love prove likewise. Wah, sweet wah, knight, a thousand times wah, knight, parting is such wah sorrow, that I shall say wah, knight, till it be morrow. Exit above. Waluigi, sleep dwell upon thy wah, peace in thy wah. Would I were sleep in peace? So wah to rest, wah, will I to my wah wah's cell, its help to wah, and my wah wah to tell. Ten out of ten podcasts would subscribe again. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks, Waluigi number one fan, for the worst review that we've ever gotten. <laughs> well, wow! All I can say is wow. Oh my god! 
Thank you for listening to Vox Arcana episode 24. I'm William. I'm Jake. And I'm David. We'll see you next time. Follow us on social media. Our Twitter is at Vox Arcana Pod. Facebook and Instagram are both at Vox Arcana Podcast. And our email is Vox Arcana Podcast at gmail.com. Ha! 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 Oh, yeah! <laughs>